Thanks for listening. Hope you are well. I'm Rob Nichols on the radio for 20 years, a music writer from the middle of America. Welcome to the Rock, Pop, and Roll podcast, episode number five. We talk rock and roll and pop music from the playlist of the decade of the 1980s. Again, thanks for tuning in. This week, our show is five hair metal songs or bands that mattered. It's our hair metal show, everybody. Oh, I'm, we're, we're so excited. <laughs> the genre of pop metal, hair metal that, that blew up and then went away. Did it change the world? Well, some of the songs and bands were part of this continuum of rock music, right? We got to where we are be, partly because of what happened in the mid-80s. It was a flash, a, a bomb of hairspray rock and roll that hung around for about five years. You know, you could argue, did it start in 80, 1983, 85, 86? Uh, we'll talk about that just to, uh, as part of the show today. Uh, and then it, expl- it imploded when Nirvana came and, uh, you know, lit that fuse. But we want to offer a little bit of explanation, a definition, a clarification of what we're searching for with this particular show. And that is, what is hair metal? Why does it matter? What's it called? Pop metal, glam metal, hair metal. You know what it is when you hear it, right? How's it different from hard rock? What makes it what it is? So you know what, when you hear it, if you are a, if you've a subscriber to Sirius XM, they have Hair Nation, which is a channel that plays nothing but hair metal music. And like, like I said, when you hear it, you know what it is. It's those, those sugary background vocals that a 80s era snare drum, it's called gated reverb, that big echoey snare that kept the 4-4 beat guitars that in, they sounded like a good time, not a problem coming, not a storm coming, but a good time girls power ballads and that's that's what hair metal was it was it was kind of like it was kind of like bro country only the heavy metal version talking about drinking talking about the ladies that's that's what it was a glam rock started in the 70s and that's kind of where this came from Uh, visual elements taken from acts like the new york dolls and was combined with hard rock or harder rocking acts like alice cooper or bad company or deep purple or kiss you combine those two and it it became what what hair metal was what were some bands were they hard rock were they heavy metal were they hair metal you know like scorpions judas priest they kind of glommed on to some of the uh, the hit making of that era but i don't you know those are two bands that i don't consider hair metal bands although rocky like a hurricane from scorpions was right there in the midst of the early hair metal songs la's sunset strip had a music scene that had motley Crue, had rat quiet riot dockin were they metal heavy metal hair metal Def Leppard from England, how do they play in? Bon Jovi, Twisted Sister, Poison, Skid Row, Cinderella, Warrant, lots of others. Go to Wikipedia. Lots of lists there. Lots of lots of lists of power ballads because that became kind of their Achilles heel in the end. They, there you go. There's, there's kind of the loose definition of who was, who wasn't. You make some of your own decisions. Fine with me. I do want to tell you, though, that two big ones, two big bands we won't hear today I've given them Hall of Fame status at this point. One of them is Poison. (laughs) Poison. Who would have thought Poison would last? Really, people, all the original members still together, haven't killed each other, haven't died, just 
good time pop metal party band poison brett michaels and cc deville the rest of the gang i put him in the in the in the hair metal hall of fame and bon jovi you won't hear bon jovi in this show they they really there was i think there was three songs that were super important when it comes to making this genre making hair metal what it was bon jovi had one of those songs it was in 1986 you give love a bad name that kind of kicked the door open for a lot of bands so that's one that's one of those songs we'll talk about another one of them later i would i would also put in parentheses here ozzy osbourne and crazy train had some i don't think it was hair metal but it had some influence on all of these bands that we're going to hear today, uh, crazy train is, it's a, you know, at this point it's ubiquitous. You hear it all over the place. You hear it in sports stadiums. You hear it on classic rock stations. Um, but Randy Rhodes played the guitar, Ozzy sang crazy train. And it was, a uh, it was huge though. I don't consider it hair metal it was Molly crew hair metal. They came out of that sunset strip club scene that and a lot of people consider them hair metal i don't i think they're hard rock uh, they wore the makeup they came out of the scene but there was something a little bit different about the crew van halen not hair metal although they had the hair and then the emeritus status goes to i think def leppard joe elliott who's the singer for def leppard said we we weren't even in america when all this hit they had just created the Pyromania album and had gone to create what was the next album, Hysteria. So they went to record that and all of the explosion of hair metal happened without Def Leppard. But the seminal song of, I believe, that created the genre explosion. Now we're going to listen and talk about another band that's credited with it. But I'm going to say my theory is without this song, none of the rest of the explosion of 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 hairspray would have happened or it would have happened differently def leppard released photograph february of 1983 and it paved the road for the rest of these bands it had the harmonies had the upfront pop yet rock and roll guitars had the big drums their early days they were more acdc than hair metal they were jeans and dirt they evolved into the curly locks and some of the spandex but i don't recall the makeup or the overt grab for part of that pop metal gold. They kind of created the genre though, kept enough distance to withstand that same genre's irrelevance after Nirvana and grunge came to take over. But in February of 83, the song was released. It ended up hitting number 12 on the uh, Hot 100 charts. This is Photograph. Uh, that's Def Leppard in photograph and a 
huge song was huge on the radio uh, and still still sounds good doesn't it There you go. So let's hit it. Let's take a look at the five hair metal songs or bands that mattered. And let's start with a band that was credited with starting the widespread popularity and success of metal on the radio in the U.S. In the late 80s, Quiet Riot had a friendly uh, little rivalry with uh, Van Halen. Randy Rhodes was even in Quiet Riot, and he was in the band before he joined Ozzy. Quiet Riot had two albums in Japan. And in September of 1982, Quiet Riot finally signed a U.S. recording deal with CBS Records. They recorded Metal Health, and it was released March 11th, 1983. So actually about a month to the day after Def Leppard uh, released the song Photograph to radio. Come On, Feel the Noise was released in the summer of 83, late summer. August of 1983 was a cover of a 1973 song by Slade. And it blew up. The Quiet Riot single spent two weeks at number five on the Billboard Hot 100 chart in November of 83. The success of the single is credited with launching the heavy metal era, although we have said maybe it was Def Leppard, even though we don't consider them hair metal, heavy metal, maybe. That song, number five, the album went to number one, the first heavy metal band to have a top five hit and a number one album in the same week. Quiet Riot. How did they get to number one? They pushed the police album Synchronicity out of that spot and stayed there for a week until, do you know who upended, who knocked Quiet Riot out after a week? The hard-rocking Lionel Richie and Can't Slow Down, <laughs> his album uh, went to number one. Metal Health would ultimately sell over six million copies in the United States. Big album. They did, you know, they burned bright and burned out fast. The band's longtime drummer, Frankie Benali, Reformed a new version, though, of Quiet Riot in 2010. Do you know they're still around today? They may have made 14 albums. Quiet Riot made an album in 2019 called Hollywood Cowboys. We're not going to play Come On, Feel the Noise. We're not going to play Metal Health. We are going to play a single that was released to rock radio stations after the success of those two earlier songs. It got some rock radio airplay. It was a live version. It was... On the record, it was a studio version. It dated back to 1978. They re-recorded it. That wasn't my favorite album of all time. You know, if you were of age at that time, you had it. Uh, but this was probably the song out of the rest of the record that weren't hits that I thought, hey, I can listen to that again. This is the live version of Slick Black Cadillac from Quiet Riot. Black Cadillac! <laughs> Just a big black set of meals What it takes to get me off Drive on that spinner wheels And I feels alright Feels alright I don't need no driver's license I'm too reckless to survive Comparator, instigator Feels alright Feels alright You know, as I, as I listen to that, that sounds a whole lot like Motley Crue at the time to me. 
That's I drum solo, everybody. <laughs> you go quiet, right? That's the first band we're looking at on our hair metal uh, version of the Rock Pop and Roll podcast. The second band we'll look at. This is one of my guilty pleasures. Or we'll listen to one of my favorite guilty pleasures of the 1980s hair band craze. Uh, Y.N.T. released two albums in the 1970s. They were opening for bands like Wild Cherry, ACDC. They opened for Kiss. Their 1985 hit Summertime Girls was off their seventh album. The album was called Down for the Count, became the band's highest charting hit to date. It made it only to number 55 on the Hot 100, but on the mainstream rock radio song chart, it hit number 16. It was a cheesy video on MTV. This one, folks, that's people, it's worth looking up on YouTube, the video for Summertime Girls unbelievably bad uh, the song though just a big fat stupid song with glistening keyboards it's got a great chorus it's a summer song that sounded great on the radio just turn this one up and enjoy a little bit uh it had just a gloriously simple task it was intended to be ear candy <laughs> some of that Van Halen background vocal too, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> guitar. There's only one surviving member of that band. A guitarist, Dave Minichetti is the only one still alive from, from the original lineup of Y and T from 1974. And he still tours as Y and T. The third band that we will listen to is one of those bands that straddled the divide between hair metal and bluesy rock and roll. It was Cinderella out of Philadelphia. Tom Kiefer was the singer, songwriter, guitarist. They were discovered initially uh, was Cinderella by Gene Simmons. He tried to get the band signed, could not get them signed. John Bon Jovi saw them in 1985 at a rock club in Philly, convinced his label Mercury Records to sign them, and then they became the opener for Bon Jovi in the huge Slippery When Wet tour. So you can't say that that couldn't have helped them, had to. Uh, in, in 85, two original members did leave the band to form another Philly area hair band called Britney Fox. Cinderella, though, they had three big albums, Night Songs from 1986. The first single was Shake Me, which got some rock radio airplay, but did not chart on the Hot 100. They did have a top 20 hit from that album called Nobody's Fool. And then they released two years later, Long Cold Winter, had four top 100 songs. They looked like a 
rough pretty boys maybe on their first album cover but they had more in common i think with aerosmith and the single from that album the first single which went to number 51 on the hot 100 kind of exemplifies that aerosmithy uh, bluesy rock sound big on rock radio let's take a little bit of a listen to gypsy road from 88 Cinderella and uh, why did they matter they kind of gave a little integrity at the time to uh to hair metal uh they had another album I actually had another hit off that album Long Cold Winter that was called Don't Know What You Got Until It's Gone which was their biggest hit went to number 12 they had a, a third album that that did some did some good things called Heartbreak Station actually went into the 90s or 1990 was the release for it um, and it it contained I'm going to play you a little bonus cut because it contained uh, my favorite Cinderella song ACDC mixed with a little heartland rock and roll sound I dug this this is shelter me Top 40 hit went to number 36. Had some saxophone in it. Uh, I like Cinderella. I did. Now, after Heartbreak Station, after that tour, uh, Tom Kiefer lost his voice and he ended up having several operations. Uh, he ended up having paralysis of a left vocal cord, had to reteach himself to sing. Um, just a kind of a tough little, uh, little bit of, of his life battled some depression. Uh, he ended up coming out on the other end of it though. 94, they released an album called still climbing that didn't really do anything. Uh, the band broke up in 95, but he still tours as a solo artist. And here in the, in Indiana, in Indianapolis, he came around, played, uh, played the Vogue, which is a, a little club of about a thousand people. So he's, he's still around tour and our fourth band, as you listen to the rock pop and roll podcast, the hair metal edition, they played this fourth band played underappreciated cartoon rock. <laughs> if there's such a thing, is that a genre, Rob, uh, underappreciated cartoon rock, kind of like poison. Um, they had a huge debut album set the stage though, for a big tumble. They had a song and a video that just killed their career. 
It was late in the decade of the 1980s, and Warrant signed a contract with Columbia Records. They released the album Dirty, Rotten, Filthy, Stinking Rich. It was a big album. January of 89, it hit number 10 on the album chart. The album contained four hit singles. The first single that went to uh, 27 was Down Boys. Then they had a power ballad, Heaven, went all the way to number two. Another ballad, Sometimes She Cries, hit the top 20. Big Talk was the fourth single, went to number 30. And then their next album was Cherry Pie. <laughs> the record company wanted a feature track. They didn't, they had, the band had not recorded one. So uh, Janie Lane, the singer, he went and wrote Cherry Pie, the song, in 15 minutes. In the studio, they got CeCe DeVille, Poison's guitarist, to play the guitar solo on it. And uh, Cherry Pie went top 10 on the Hot 100. They had a follow-up. I saw Red went to number 10 in the Hot 100. So they were on fire. Uh, but that Cherry Pie video probably damaged their career, kind of like Rock Me Tonight damaged Billy Squire's career. Cherry Pie, that video was sexist, stupid, cornball rock. And they really could not overcome that cartoon image, I don't think. And especially as the musical landscape was changing. Uh, but they did have a song that should have helped them change that image. It didn't do it. It was originally going to be the name of the Cherry Pie album. But it wasn't. It was a little bit different than anything else other hair bands were doing. It did just as well on rock radio as Cherry Pie. It wasn't a big hit on, on Top 40 radio, but it was a good one. This is Warrant, kind of underappreciated song here, Uncle Tom's Cabin. Just by the record, let's get the story straight. Uncle Tom official, it was getting pretty late. Out on the side was near my population. Well, where they say you got no bottom, so you take you down a hill. I think people sometimes forget how big Warrant was as a band. I mean, they, it was it was a starburst, right? They they were big, and then they were nothing really quickly. Uh, but that's an under that's a I I think an underappreciated song, Uncle Tom's Cabin. Now, the band hung around into the 2000s. Sadly, singer Janie Lane died in 2011 of alcohol poisoning, and uh, and that was that of, uh, for Warrant. But why do they matter? I think they, they matter because they were bigger than you might remember, uh, and they were more than Cherry Pie, um, and they had a lot of hits off that first album. The fifth album, fifth band, Really, we're going to take a fifth song. We're going to take a listen to this is one that gets lost in the shuffle too. forgotten until you hear a little more about it. Um, the band Autograph owed their record deal to David Lee Roth. Kenny Richards was the drummer for Autograph. He had a friendship with Roth. And uh, here's how here's how David Lee Roth ended up helping the band out. There was a famous engineer. Uh, studio engineer. He worked on Exile on Main Street. He worked with Led Zeppelin and Eddie Money. His name was Andy Johns. 
Andy Johns invited the band to re-record and upgrade some of their demos at the big record plant studios. He said, you can do it for free. He would help them out. So the band did. And then Autograph played that demo for David Lee Roth. He then invited the band to open for Van Halen on their huge 1984 tour, 48 shows. It was an unsigned band, Autograph was. Never, that doesn't happen. Autograph signed a contract with RCA Records following a performance at Madison Square Garden in 1984. And then uh, they went in and recorded uh, what became their signature song. Reached number 29 on the Hot 100, had significant MTV airplay, was used in Miami Vice. Uh, The lead guitarist for the band, Steve Lynch, said that the song really was just a last minute song. The record label didn't want it on there. They thought it had no commercial value. But if you listen to turn up the radio, it is the sound of pop metal. Big chorus, big drums, big chants, echoes of some of that Eddie Van Halen guitar. Here is that signature song from Autograph. knows the song right you know it when you hear it on the radio it it does get played on classic hit stations and some classic rock stations uh why does autograph not get as much love as quiet riot i mean i know quiet riot had a top it was it was a top five song and the album went to number one but you know come on who doesn't love autograph (laughs) it's eddie van halen tapping uh, going on. Hey, hey, we told you you needed to look up the Y&T cheese video on YouTube. You also need to look up the uh, the video for this one. Uh, the album was called, get this story, the album was called Sign In Please, and it, it had product placement in it. I didn't catch it at the time, but as I did the research, uh, a Paper Mate Sharp Writer Mechanical Pencil was the product placement for this for this video uh so the this type of pencil mechanical pencil had been released the same year as autograph uh, had done this song so the company went to autograph and said hey use our pencil in the video so what they did is the band members in the video signed their names alongside their respective musical instruments and they at one point the lead singer throws a pencil to one of the female fans as the band is leaving their performance. It's just, it's unbelievable when you watch it, you're like, man, that that is product placement. The company though helped fund the video. It was the band's first video. And according to Steve Plunkett on Wikipedia, they couldn't lie. Right. He said that it allowed them to make a much more expensive video than 
the average new band could have made. And it does, you know, who knew? Made me go watch the video when I learned this. It's a pretty dumb video, but hey, it looks good. Uh, it looks like the extra money helped. So there you go. Their autograph. There's your little little nugget about them. And 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 there you go. Also, five hair metal songs or bands that that matter. It's the Rock Pop and Roll Podcast. That's almost the show, everybody. Almost. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Subscribe to Rock Pop and Roll on Apple Podcasts or wherever you do get your podcast. Look for a new full-length episode, typically dropping every Wednesday. This week's was a, a, a touch later. If you uh, do like the show and you want to help us out, it's really easy to do that. Just tell someone. Share it with a fan of 80s pop, rock and roll. We would love you for it. You can leave a review wherever you listen. That helps us know what you like about the show, helps others find the show. You can find us on Twitter. The Twitter address is at 80s Rock Pop Roll. 80s Pop. 80s Rock Pop Roll. So email us. We've got an email address, rockpoprollpodcast at gmail.com. If you get in on that, have an idea for a show, let us know. And we end with actually two last facts. Usually it's one last fact, but it's two nuggets we found along the way that didn't make the podcast. One of those nuggets, real quickly, Warrant lead singer Janie Lane played drums under the pseudonym Mitch Dynamite. That was his name in a, in a band called Poker Face that he was playing in clubs under that name at age 11. And then the other nugget, it, I think they deserve... You just deserve to know a little bit more about Slade. You probably know a little bit, but get this on Slade, the band that wrote Come On, Feel the Noise. They had 17 consecutive top 20 hits in the UK, six number ones on the UK singles chart. They wrote Come On, Feel the Noise in 73, released it. It debuted, shot right up to number one. The first time I was single in the UK had done that since the Beatles had done that with Get Back. In 1969, in America, the the single made it only to number 98. But, ah, but when Quiet Riot had success with that song, CBS signed Slade to their label. And in 1984, Slade released a single, Run Runaway, which eventually got up to number 20 on the Billboard Hot 100. And it was Slade's first and only top 20 hit in the States. So to play us out, here's part of that top 20 hit from the Rockin' Boys of Slade from 1984. Yeah, thanks for listening. See you next time. I'm Rob. Be good to each other. Rock, pop, and roll.